how to listen. You, you better be an intent listener while you're grabbing this story from the Holocaust survivor, or for that matter, from for your listeners, from any life story that you're getting, because you need to be tuned in, so finely tuned in to their body language and what they're saying and how they're saying it to where that will initiate the clarifying question that you hadn't thought of asking. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast. If you listened to the last episode, you heard part one of our interview with Mike O'Krent. Today, we're carrying on with that interview, and Mike is going to tell us a little bit about how he connected with somebody from the Chamber of Commerce and how good that was for his company and getting off to a running start. And we're going to talk about marketing and speaking and some other things that I think you'll find really interesting. So without further ado, here is Michael Krent of Life Stories Alive with part two of our interview. So I would like to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, your marketing. Well, I don't know that it's your marketing. I know that you do a lot of speaking. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that would be the first question. Are you doing the speaking because it's an interest and a passion that you have? Or are you doing the speaking really as a marketing tool for your for your business? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, primarily, quite frankly, it's, it's, as a, it's as a marketing tool for the business. But in many cases, you can't sell from stage. So you craft a speech that's related to what you're doing and it gets people to think about it. They know what you do for a living uh, because when you're introduced – like you introduced me, people know that I make people's life stories. I record people's life stories for the families. So, um, but I, I enjoy public speaking as well. So that's part of it. But primarily, it's it's to let people know because, as I, I would think many of your listeners uh, will know for a fact, is our biggest challenge is the fact that people don't know that the service exists. People don't know exactly. that we exist and and do this for families and it's regular people. People only think of biographies for the famous people and the, the things that they see on TV about famous people. Well, while mom, dad, or grandma and grandpa aren't famous, their stories are valuable. Their stories are priceless, and they should be recording them. I agree. I agree. You're preaching <laughs> to the choir. Right. Right. <laughs> Sorry. But, but you bring up a good point. Because of that, um, because most people don't know we exist, um, it is – it probably would be hard to come across as a sort of schmarmy, over-the-top salesperson. Oh, yeah. All you have to do is talk about the the fact that you're helping people write their stories or you're helping people record their stories on video or on audio or, or however you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And people, ought, you know, they, they perk up. People automatically get interested. And I just had a conversation not too long ago um, where I was explaining this to somebody and I was saying how, you know, when I get in a conversation with maybe a group of people that I don't know, so I'm out and about or, you know, maybe at a, a party and, I, and I'm talking to new acquaintances. And if they're are six people around me and they're all, you know, middle-aged or older. I'm not talking about 18-year-olds because, of course, they, they couldn't care less. <laughs> but if they're all, you know, in the, say 50 and above, um, 
at least two people out of the six are going to say, wow, that's fascinating. Tell me more. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to turn around and hire me, but um, there is just such a, um, a human interest in telling our stories. And because people don't know, like you said, that our service exists, uh, it just, it, it gets people's attention. Absolutely, Amy. And the, the point that you make is just, there is an interest out there, but you've got to get out there and create the interest. You've got to get out there and let people know that you are doing what you're doing. Uh, the field of dreams, you build it, they will come, doesn't work in our business. It just flat out right. doesn't work. So whether it's networking events that you go to or giving speeches to let people know or however you get yourself out there, get yourself out there because otherwise your business is going to wither away. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's all, you know, I think for all of us, this is a, um, this is a passion of the heart. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're probably, we've probably all come into this because it's something that, you know, it's, it's, it speaks to our heart. But if you cannot make it a business, you won't be able to do your heart's work. Um, and so you really have to attend to the business and growing it. And like you said, just broadcasting the message that that you are there to do the work. So it sounds like there m must have been a bit of a trajectory for you um, with speaking because I, and I do want to ask you about the TEDx talks, but I'm sure you didn't just jump onto that stage first thing. So <laughs> no. why don't you tell us about how you started uh, with the speaking, what kind of groups you spoke to, and how that's evolved over time? Well, back in the 1980s, when I was in a different business, I, I my dad was a Toastmaster, so I attended Toastmasters meeting and learned how to speak. And and kind of enjoyed it, but didn't do much of it at all. When I started this business, I thought, well, that's one way of, of getting people to know and getting a small audience to know. So there, most of your listeners have in their hometowns a Rotary Club or a Lions Club or a Kiwanis Club or something like that. And they, they want speakers on unique topics. Let's face it, our business is a unique topic. And so um, even if your listeners haven't ever spoken in front of an audience before, uh, take a deep breath and get up there and do it because you'll get business from it. Um, and I didn't originally start um, speaking about this when I started my business 13 years ago. I just tried to find the most connected, influential people in Austin and um, let them know what I do. Well, what did that look like, trying to find the most influential people in Austin? <laughs> There's a story. <laughs> if you don't mind me sharing this story. We like stories. We're all about stories. <laughs> um, my wife had met this guy who was uh, – a new bank was opening in town. Um, and she said, I met this re really wonderful guy. And so we went to the bank opening. And this guy was with uh, 3M, um, the people who make scotch tape. They have a big plant here in Austin. So this guy was with 3M for 37 years. Uh, he was the former chair of the Austin Chamber of Commerce. So he knew people. And at this bank opening, he said, uh, it's nice to meet you. If there's anything I can help you do in business, let me know. And I thought he was no. banking. So I, that was about the time I was starting this business. So I called him and I said, Bill, can I have 30 minutes of your time? So I sat at his office. I told him what I was doing, what I was thinking of doing, and what I was thinking of starting. And then I knew I was going to ask him this before, and he gave me his feedback on it. And then I said, I need a guinea pig. 
I need some, I need one in the, in the can. I need one produced. So free of charge, Bill, I want to do your life story. And he said, sure, let's do it. After I did his life story, then he, um, pretty much opened up his Rolodex and he was a lot of fun. The way he did it, I would, I came back after we did the life story to meet with him and he was in his office and he says, man, this was really a, a fun experience. I really enjoyed telling my story. And he had an incredible story. And he said, just a second. And he picks up his phone and he calls his friend. It's the other business person. He says, Fred, I'm talking to this guy here that you need to talk to. You need to meet. And he hands me the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and what? Uh, hi, Fred. Uh, we haven't met. but uh, <laughs> And uh, so not only do you need to get out there and tell people that you're there, but you need to know how to ask for referrals and ask for business as well. How brilliant is, is that to have your guinea pig be somebody who could hook you up with other people. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. Sure. And I think most of your listeners know somebody in town in their hometown that is quite connected and uh, knows a lot of people. And it's, it's not them that you might do their life story, but it's who they know. Uh, right. Everybody knows somebody who knows other people who has a parent uh, or a grandparent who, uh, whose story needs to be told. And when you say you need to learn how to ask for the referrals, mm -hmm. what does that look like? Do you, is that part of your uh, is that part of your system when you're when you're doing um, a project for somebody? Yeah, it's it's just those those simple words. Who do you know? If they like what you did for them, who do you know? Or if they're liking it during the process of you doing this, well, ask who do you know? Who do you know needs this? Who do you know might want this? Um, no pressure. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not salesy, I don't think, and I, I, I hope I never push anybody. You don't have to push anybody. If they want to do this, they're going to do it. And if somebody says, oh, yeah, because this happens to me very often, they'll say, I've got you know two or three people that need to have this done. Mm -hmm. Do you then ask for their contact information and sure. you reach out and contact them? Do you ask for the intermediary to set up a, mm -hmm. you know, little email with all three of you? How does that Good work? Good question. I always ask if you wouldn't mind making a virtual introduction uh, or ask, you know, ask them before I contact them. The email, one of the things that email has, has allowed us to do, and I think it makes it easier for both parties, is a virtual introduction. If your friend who's going to refer you to their friend will send, and what I call a virtual introduction is is, hi, Fred, we've been friends for a long I want you to meet Mike O'Krent. Uh, Mike's in this very unique business. He's working with our family. And I think you might want to meet him. And just even if you don't do business with him, he's a nice guy. And that's how that works. And then you call that person and just set up a conversation, set up a coffee. Um, I'd like, yeah, I would like to do that face-to-face. -face. And I tell them up front, you know, uh, I, I'm glad Bill uh, referred me to you. But uh, whether or not we do business, it, it, it it, it doesn't matter. I'd love to do business with you, but whether or not that happens, I, I just like meeting new people. Oh, great. And then you suggest meeting for a coffee sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I, you know, I think that's one of my, um, that's something that I need to work on for my son. Not, <laughs> not that this show is all about me, but <laughs> usually I do like taking the advice and, and, and it is illuminating because I have been far too timid about, 
following up and actually asking for people for those referrals. Because like I said, almost every single project that I've done, people will say, oh my gosh, you know, so-and-so needs to have this done. Or usually, you know, maybe it's not the names that they're giving me, but they'll say my neighbor or, um, uh, you know, I know somebody who has a great story and they really need to have this told. And um, I've, To be honest, Mike, I have never once said, well, can you set up a meeting or a virtual introduction or can I get their names? I've always uh, been too hesitant to reach out to somebody just because there is so much trust that you need to have. And I feel like if I'm the one approaching them, then I, I, you know, maybe I'm wrecking it from the very beginning, but maybe that's not the right approach. Well, I don't know that it's a right or wrong approach, but, um, you sh- we're taught in our society to be humble and, and that can hurt us in business. You, you need to be bold enough to ask for help. Most people want to help if they like you, if they don't like you, they're not going to help you. <laughs> but right. if, if they like you, they want to help and you need to tell them, you need to direct them on how to help you. And if, as long as you do it in a, not a, a pushy way, and that's why most people don't ask for referrals because they think it's pushy. Well, it's, it's, it's not if you go about it in, in, a, in a way that reflects who you are, right? Um, and, and, and so I, I think most people are willing to help. They want to help. And, and if you just ask, and if they say no, it's okay. And that's a good point that it is um, just a matter of um, consideration to let them know how they can help you. I've never thought about it that way. But if you think about if you have a friend who's sick and so you're, you know, you don't know what to do for them. And oftentimes I'll say, you have to tell me, I don't know, you know, do you want me to bring a dinner to you? Do you want me to take, you know, pick your kids up from school? Um, So it's, it's sort of the same thing only in the business arena, how uh, you're letting them know how they can help you. Okay. You mentioned the word um, humility and, and how we are often too humble. You just recently wrote an article about that, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. It's called Being Humble is Nothing to Brag About. Ha <laughs> 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 That's a brilliant title. Thank you. <laughs> it was fun. And it's a story of a life story that I did. I was, I was hired by, and, and for your listeners, if they send me an email, I'll be glad to send them that article. It, it was published in a book that it's done nothing, <laughs> but I'll be glad to send that article to any of your listeners. But it's a story about a, a one of my clients who was the uh, third generation of a successful multi-generational family business in San Antonio. And his grandfather, at his grandfather's funeral, he found a, a box, a, a army uh, chest in his grandfather's closet that no one had ever opened in, you know, 40, 50 years. And he opens this chest and his grandfather was so humble. He never talked about any of this stuff and I'm going to steal the rest of the story, but it's, it's just an incredible story. And Brad, my, my client, Brad says, I'm not going to make the same mistake that my grandfather made of being too humble. I want you to interview my parents and grab their stories. And also I want you to do something for our business that will show that will connect our unique business to the story that founded us, to the story mm-hmm. of our, and, and that will, and, and I thought it was going to be for advertising, but it was for employee recruitment. And that, that oh, was their why. Um, so you, you dive into the why of what your clients are hiring you to do. And, and this particular video was for employee recruitment. Um, this particular company who they've given me permission to share their name is Belden in San Antonio, the, the 11th largest roofing company in the United States. 
in the construction business, employees are like a revolving door. They come and go and they come and go. This company has just given out their 76th 20-year ring. So people don't leave. Oh, boy. So why they don't leave is part of their story. And when you interview, as I did, 15 or yeah, 15 or so of their employees, their key employees that talk about the uniqueness of that, what they're using this video for is as a potential employee is going through the process, they show this video because this potential employee is looking at other construction companies, at other roofing companies, right? So it helps them land them that good employee. Mm. That's a really interesting use of a video story. I would have never thought of that. I mean, I, I know that businesses use them to tell their story to their potential clients. Right. Um, and I know that, you know, obviously they use it for training purposes, but but to show sort of their mission and their heart, where their heart is, to potent, to woo potential employees, that's yeah, that, that's yeah. a that's a great use of a video. And your listeners who are experts at telling people stories, even if it's writing, they can help people write the part of their story that will help them recruit good employees, that will help them get good customers. They will help them. They can help them tell the part of their story that really will connect the heartstrings of their um, potential customers. Um, people think <clears throat> people buy on facts. For years and years and years, people buy on, they don't buy on logic, they buy on emotion. And the best way to get right. to emotion is through story. And people buy on emotion and then they justify it with logic, right? But so many businesses are out there barfing their logic <laughs> on people. Right. And we've, we've had enough. We want to hear the story. I was working with a woman who is an auctioneer, um, so a professional auctioneer. Mm. And so I got a little bit into the science of that, which is the neuroscience of it, which is incredibly interesting because it's a microcosm of exactly what you just said. You know, we make these emotional decisions and then immediately we're, we're justifying them. We, yeah. You know, we're saying why we made that decision, but really it's the emotion that is driving the decision. And when you're in the the realm of an auction, um, especially something like a, an art auction where the numbers are very high and they can rise very quickly. Uh, even the most cool-headed, rational beings make really incredible buys that they did not go in planning <laughs> to make because of that. Uh, you know, there, there's more to it than that, but it's 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 really interesting. And it happens in such um, microseconds. It's such a tiny period of time and then very quickly then the the rationalizations come mm -hmm. um, but i agree with you i mean story is there is no better way to engage somebody's emotions than with story so you have done speaking and i'm sure that you bring you're talking about the importance of saving stories and i'm sure you're bringing in your own storytelling um acumen um tell us how you got from doing you know, the rotary talks to doing TEDx. Hmm. I've always been in love with TED talks the, since the first TED talk that I, that I, that I watched. In fact, one of the things that I talk about in my speeches is um, listening skills. 
And I talk about listening with your whole body. Now, that seems like a weird thing, but it comes from a TED Talk that your listeners should watch. It's from Evelyn Glennie. Go to TED.com and E-V-E-L-Y-N, then G-L-E-N-N-I-E. So she comes on stage and she there's musical instruments all around. And she starts to talk and she talks with her Irish accent. She was a lead percussionist in, I think, the London Symphony. So she, you, you know she's going to talk about playing the percussion and playing all this. And she starts to tell her story. When Before she starts to tell her story, she takes her shoes off. And you think, well, that's kind of weird. But she takes her shoes off and she starts to talk about her story on how she learned to play the timpani and the kettles and the started with the snare drum. She's deaf. She cannot hear. She can't tell that from the way she's talking because it's, she, she had some disease, I think at age 12 that took her hearing away and she hadn't played uh, instruments before that. So how to listen with her whole, your whole body as you're sitting across from somebody. And this is one of the things that Spielberg's organization taught us how to listen. You, you better be an intent listener while you're grabbing this story from the Holocaust survivor, or for that matter, from for your listeners, from any life story that you're getting, because you need to be tuned in, so finely tuned in to their body language and what they're saying and how they're saying it to where that will, that will initiate the clarifying question that you hadn't thought of asking. Um, so anyway, it's a, it's a really great TED Talk. So I always love TED Talks, always wanted to give a TED talk. And I hooked up with a guy I found from the internet, quite frankly, uh, a guy named Taylor Conroy. The Idea Collective is his name in his business. And if it wasn't for Taylor and his organization, and he hooked me up with one of his coaches, um, it made not only help me get the TED talk, because one of the things that they guarantee is they will land you a TEDx gig. Um, they, they help you with the application. They send the application out to all of these thousands of Ted talks. And they say, once we land your first gig, then we're done with landing the gig. But then they help you write the gig, write, write the speech, practice the speech, give the speech, and then spread the speech, which is very unique. So, um, talk about finding a need and filling it. Um, that's what he does. Wait, what does that mean? Spread the speech? Well, once the speech is live online, most people think like, again, field of dreams, you build it, they will come, you give it, they will watch. Not necessarily. So he gives you samples of and, and different words to use on your social media in ways of spreading the speech. Because the idea is for if it's an, in, indeed Ted's moniker is an idea worth spreading. If it is an idea worth spreading, you want a whole lot of people to watch it. And how long was that whole process from the time that you found this man and the time that you were up on the, the stage? The process started in July. We landed the gig in September. And by the way, it was the 61st application. 60 of them were denied. Oh, um, oh, it's just like it's just like a fiction writer sending out their short exactly. story. And you have to just keep sending it out. Good for you. There's over 2,000 TEDx events every year all over the world. Um, so TEDx is, is all over the place, but you have to fit their need and, you know, for whatever reason. But once I landed that gig, um, then preparing for it. So um, I landed the gig, I get, like I said, August of September. And then depending on the TEDx organizer, and fortunately I was with a really good organizer who had done this before. He had a system of requirements. You have to give the written 
you have to uh, send him the speech in writing, then you have to give it. You can read it on video. He wants to see a video of you reading it. Then this organizer made sure that you were prepared. When he put you on stage, you were ready to go. And so there was a lot of preparation and a ton of rehearsal. I rehearsed that speech every day for probably two months. Oh, boy. Wow. Um, and it, I, I, I'm pleased with what, what it ended up being like, but it, I would have never got as far as to answer your question. I would have not, I would not have landed the gig or had it come out like it did, had it not been for Taylor Conroy's um, organization. I've watched it. It's beautifully Thank done. You. Um, so I know what it's about. Can you just very briefly mm-hmm. uh, tell listeners sure. what the subject is? The title of the speech is Past Forward, How Conversations with Loved Ones Can Change the Course of Our Future. Actually, that's too many words. TEDx, once, what a few. So it's it's like that. How Conversations with Loved Ones Can Alter Our Future, I think, is how it came out. But it starts with a story and ends with a story. Um, And in the middle of it is the story of my father and grandfather who uh, died within two months of one another. And I mentioned in this story that I watched at their funerals as their stories were buried with them. And shame on me. I I knew better because it was a year before that I was trained to interview Holocaust survivors. I never thought to do it with my own parents, with my own, with my own father or my own grandfather. And so the story, the TEDx talk continues with me talking about uh, the most challenging yet the most rewarding life story I ever did was my own mom's. And um, then I give some helpful hints. Uh, I give questions that people should go out there and ask their own loved ones. Um, I don't want to give too much of the talk away, um, but... Yeah, and I, I will put a, a link in the show notes okay. to the talk. Um, you described it beautifully just now. And really, it's TEDx, so it's got that sort of, um, you know, probably seems like a pie in the sky for most people. But when I watched it, I thought, well, this can be easily adapted to any audience that you want to share the importance of life stories with. It, It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything that you could not get up really and with some modifications talk to a Rotary Club about mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a group at a retirement community. My TEDx talk has become my signature talk. And the middle of the talk <clears throat> can be lengthened or changed to adapt to the audience that I'm speaking to. And I think that's what good speakers do. They have the same talk they give over and over and over again. But the guts of it or the middle of it or the call to action will be according to what the audience is looking for. Um in, in, in the pre-interview research that I do for giving a speech is like the pre-interview research that I do when I'm uh, doing a life story. I talk with the oh. organizers of the event and I say, what does the audience need? What is their pain? What, what are they looking for? What, are they, what problems are they looking to solve? And your listeners will know that there's no problem that can't be solved by telling stories. <laughs> and so I try to find the stories that are related to the audience that I'm speaking to and solve that. For instance, I'll be speaking, in fact, this Thursday again at Baylor University in Waco has a family business institute. And so when I speak there, I speak and tell stories related to family businesses. Um, but if I'm speaking to uh, a rotary club, you know, I find out what processes and, and projects they're involved with. And I speak to that. 
when you go to Baylor University and you talk to the the family business uh, institute, I can't remember what you called it exactly. <laughs> no, like, are, right, and you're telling stories. Are you actually telling stories about real real families and real people, or how how does that work? Like, how do those two gel? Well, that's part of my research. Uh, most industries will have. Um, uh, things that you can find on the web. Uh, there's a family business magazine. And so I'll read the latest family business magazine and bring uh, points and articles about story or things that they should connect with regarding that from the magazine, something that's pertinent to what's going on in their industry at that moment. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. And you've spoken to them more than once? Yes, four times. Is that a way of finding new projects oh, yeah. to work oh, on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, the, Baylor, like in, in across the nation, there's 15 different universities across the nation that have family business specialty um, within the business school, uh, little programs. And uh, they have Baylor has two big events during the year, their fall forum and their spring symposium. Um, Thursday is the, uh, actually Friday is their spring symposium. At that event, at the fall forum, they give out their Texas Family Business of the Year awards. And so they have family businesses coming in and they need speakers. They need, uh, uh, what, what do they call it? Breakout sessions. Um, and people who tell stories or know how to tell stories are part of that. Right. And you found, you found a, a very narrow niche, I guess, yeah. to, to work into there. Okay. So because listeners may not know what we're referring to with a family business. I mean, when I grew up, my parents had an ice cream parlor. I'm guessing that's probably not the kind of family business that Baylor is talking about. That's exactly the kind of business Baylor's talking about. Their family business awards are divided into categories of size of business. Most people only think of family businesses as Johnson and Johnson and, you know, the Coors, the Coors Brewing Company and all of that stuff. But, um, not that I like beer, but, um, uh, no, no, no. Small business is the and family businesses are make up the 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 root of American business, and whether it's the ice cream store or otherwise, they're family businesses, and so there's there's a market there, and especially if it's a multi generational family business, um, then your listeners will have a market. And you mentioned something earlier that I, I, I want to talk about, Amy. Um, wealth managers. I've I've had some business from wealth managers. And the way I approach a wealth manager or an investment broker or somebody like that that works with wealthy clients, their job, I tell them, I know your job is to pass material wealth, whether it's money or land or something like that. Your, your job is to pass down the hard assets from generation to generation. What are you doing about passing down the soft assets? And the soft assets are their stories. And if we were to team together, I would brand it with your brand on it. I would conduct or write, you know, in your case, Amy, write the book or do whatever to help your clients pass down their soft assets. Because the wealth is one thing, but the wealth without the story has a lot less meaning. Exactly. And, and it can be burdensome. Um, I mean, it just can. There's great... With wealth comes responsibility, oh and if you don't have the stories, um, not that the stories are going to save everybody from any kind of grief, um, but it's going to go a long way in helping people, the younger generations, understand where this came from sure. and um, and why they are leading, able to lead the lives that they are able to lead. So, yeah, I, I think that's a very good point. But I, I, 
I'm a little surprised too. I I had always thought what the term family business meant, like you said, the big Johnson and Johnsons. <laughs> I didn't realize that it encompassed everything. And um, so, so since my kids occasionally work for me, I guess we've got a family there business go. going here. There you go. <laughs> Mike, this has been a really good conversation, and I appreciate you sharing so much. If people want to get in touch with you, where do they go? My website is lifestoriesalive.com, lifestoriesalive.com. Your your listeners are welcome to call me. My cell phone is 512-431-8166, or my email is mocrant.com at lifestoriesalive.com. That's M-O-K-R-E-N-T at lifestoriesalive.com. Very good. Well, and I didn't mention this before, but the reason that you and I connected was because you reached out to me. I think you heard, um, or you spoke with Rich Polt, who I interviewed. He's on episode 55 and 56. He also does video biographies. And you have been his mentor this whole time, the whole, you know, several years that he has been up and running as a business, you've been mentoring him. And I've had a mentor the whole time that I've been working in the business. And I think that that is priceless. And so it's very gracious of you to say that people can call you and reach out to you um, because we all need help, particularly in the early days of this business. There's so much that you have to learn to do and it can be overwhelming. And so it's um, it's lovely that you're, that you're putting yourself out Thank there. Thank you. I enjoy it. And Rich is a wonderful, wonderful guy. And in fact, people might want to know how I connected with Rich Polt. Well, his cousin married my son. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah, and okay. I would have never met Rich Polt had my son not proposed marriage to Lauren. <laughs> now, did your business inspire him? Uh, you'll have to ask Rich that. I, 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 okay. I, I I, I'm, I'm trying to remember now because it was a few episodes ago. And I know that he told me how he got. Oh, I know. He got started because he was PR. doing some. PR. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He was in the PR business. But I'm we, sorry. Right. But just like you, I mean, you got into, you know, you were selling retail carpeting and then you were doing interviews and then it sort of segued. Like there's all kinds of feeders, I think, that come into our life that then end up, you know, spitting out as this whole like, oh, I'm going to be a life story professional. Sure. It's it's interesting to sort of trace back the influences that brought us to where we are. Absolutely. And we need to be open enough to listen to those influences. We need to be open enough to, to, to listen and to hear what's coming our way. I'm, I'm really proud of Rich, by the way. He's, he's doing great. He's building himself a really, really good business. Well, it's been fun talking to you, and it was fun talking to him, and I'm going to be talking to another another videographer. I've been I, – I have not been very good about having you all on up until recently. Uh, you know, I've, it, the focus has mostly been on books um, or people who are writing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to hear different perspectives, and it's really interesting to hear how you do your work um, and the overlap. And, yeah, it's, it's all about telling stories. It is. It is. Well, I appreciate it, and I will put – links to everything that we talked about, including all of your contact links in the show notes and good luck going forward. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure being on your show. And that does it for part two of our interview with Michael Krent. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And if you want to see links to the things that we've talked about, head over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 59. As always, I hope there are things that you can take back into your own business and help it grow and thrive. And 
thank you for listening. Until next time, go out and save someone's story.